All right, so uh, we have to continue our discussion on legislative powers. Last time we discussed uh, the valid delegation of legislative powers, and uh, today we are going to tackle delegation of rule making power. I have a question. Why do we have a topic on this? If Congress has that plenary legislative power, as we discussed before, for it to be able to legislate on anything and everything concerning governmental operations, why delegate rulemaking? And what about the doctrine of non-delegability of legislative power? More so that the delegatee in this respect are the agencies under the executive branch. So coming from the legislative, the delegation of rulemaking power goes to the executive branch. Is that not, not a violation also of the doctrine of separation of powers? And the obvious answer, of course, is that delegation of powers is a rule that is widely recognized, especially in the legislative branch of government. Now, with increasing complexity of the government's functions and the growing inability of Congress to address the myriad of problems demanding its attention, Congress found it necessary to delegate its powers to administrative agencies. Now, this is called the power of subordinate legislation. And this has been given many times in the bar. So let me, straight, uh, let me restate the definition of subordinate legislation in another way. What is the power of subordinate legislation? It is the authority of the administrative body tasked by the legislature to implement laws, to promulgate rules and regulations, to properly execute and implement laws. Now we are touching the tip of the iceberg of the subject of administrative law. We have a different module for admin law, which we will discuss later on. Going back to the question, does delegation of rulemaking power a violation of the doctrine of non-delegability of legislative power? There is no violation of the doctrines of non-delegability as well as the separation of powers. Why? Take the case of Belnica versus Ochoa, which I have assigned to you for reading, decided way back in 2010, during the beginning of the Aquino administration. And the Supreme Court said, the principle of non-delegability should not be confused as a restriction to delegate rule-making authority to implementing agencies for the limited purpose of either filling up the details of the law for its enforcement and this is called the supplementary rule-making or ascertaining facts to bring the law into actual operation and this is called contingent rule-making Again, there are two matters discussed here. What are the two kinds of uh, subordinate legislation? 
you have the supplementary rule making and you have the contingent rule making and the conceptual treatment and limitations of delegated rule making were already explained by the Supreme Court in an earlier case the case of people versus Makaren which was quoted by the Supreme Court in the Belhika case and according to this case the grant of the rulemaking power to administrative agencies is a relaxation of the principle of separation of powers and it is an exception to the non-delegation of legislative powers and that is clear in the Belhika case question again what are the ways by which Congress may, may delegate its power to promulgate rules and regulations to implement the laws it enacts? The answer is, in the case of Abakada Guru party list case, which I cited in previous discussions, and there are two ways to exercise the power of subordinate legislation, which was also mentioned in the Belhita case. Again, that's the supplementary rulemaking, and the second one is the contingent rulemaking. So Congress has two options when enacting legislation to define national policy within the broad horizons of legislative competence. Number one, it can itself formulate the details or it can assign to the executive branch the responsibility for making necessary managerial decisions in conformity with these standards. Alright? So, what is left for the executive branch or the concerned agency when it formulates rules and regulations implementing the law is to fill up details that is called supplementary rulemaking. And when the executive agency is uh, given the authority to a certain facts necessary to bring the law into actual operation that is called contingent rule making okay now the supreme court noted that there is a trend towards the delegation of powers and that is very evident in the decisions that came after these cases all right examples of instances of delegated legislative powers as noted by the supreme court in the abakada guru party list case the power of the doj and department of health to promulgate rules and regulations on lethal injection the power of the secretary of health to phase out blood banks the power of the departments of finance and labor to promulgate IRR for Migrant Workers and Overseas Filipino Act. And may I also add here the case of Villafuerte versus Secretary Jesse M. Robredo uh, with regards to the power of the DILG to promulgate rules on accountability of local government units with regards to financial matters of LGUs, specifically of provinces. And this is particularly relevant also to me, personally relevant to me, because I worked with the late Secretary Jesse M. Robredo, and I was with him when this case was filed by 
the province of Camarines Sur against the DILG. Now, the delegation to the executive branch of the power to formulate and enact implementing rules falls within the class of what is called the permissible delegation of legislative powers. Okay? And uh, this was characterized by the Supreme Court as a delegation confirming conferring upon the president quasi-legislative power which may be defined as the authority delegated by the lawmaking body to the administrative body to adopt rules and regulations intended to carry out the provisions of the law and implement legislative policy. Now, we mentioned a while ago the quasi-legislative power of the executive branch. We will discuss later on the partner power of quasi-legislative power in so far as rulemaking is concerned and the quasi-judicial power of these administrative agencies. Alright? Now, apart from whatever rulemaking power that Congress may delegate to the President, the latter, the President under the executive branch, has inherent ordinance powers covering the executive branch as part of the power of executive control. Now, this is different from the delegated rulemaking power of Congress. Okay? The marked distinction between the President's power to issue interbranch orders and this is, the, this is what we call as the inherent ordinance powers of the President and to issue interbranch inter orders and instructions or internal rules for the executive branch on one hand and the President's authority by virtue of legislative delegation to issue IRRs is embodied in the rules on publication. Take the case of Tanyada versus Tuvera, which was decided on uh, December of 1986. Now, the court, the Supreme Court, said that internal regulations applicable to members of the executive branch, and that is regulating only the personnel of the administrative agency and not the public, need not be published because they do not create rights. But the Supreme Court said, when the presidential issue ones does create rights and obligations affecting the public at large, as implementing rules certainly do, then publication is mandatory. Such rules and regulations are designed to enforce or implement existing law pursuant to a valid delegation. In other words, the critical, the crucial factor here is whether or not the executive issuance creates a legal right, an obligation that affects the public, anyone among us. If it does, then that is an exercise of, of subordinate uh, legislative 
power. If it does not so create rights and obligations, that is an inherent ordinance power of the president or the executive branch. Alright? Now, question. What about the constitutional commissions? The Civil Service Commission, Comelec, Commission on Audit. Do they need to have the power of subordinate legislation to be able to issue rules and regulations for them to implement their respective mandates even though the Constitution established them as independent constitutional bodies? The answer is no. They do not need congressional authority to issue rules and regulations. Why? Because the Constitution confers upon them their rule-making powers. On that basis, the Constitutional Commissions may promulgate their own rules. Take, for example, Article 9, Letter C, Section 6. It provides each commission and bank may promulgate its own rules concerning pleadings and practice before it or before any of its offices. Such rules, however, shall not diminish, increase, or modify substantive rights. And then again in Article 9, letter B, Section 3, concerning the Civil Service Commission. Section 3 says, The Civil Service Commission as the central personal agency of the government shall establish a career service and adopt measures to promote morale, efficiency, integrity, responsiveness, progressiveness, and courtesy in the civil service. So note, adoption of measures. Also in Article 9, Letter D, with regards to the powers of COA, you have to read, take note of Section 2 on the power of COA to issue auditing rules and regulations on its own, even without a law passed by Congress. Question again. What is the reason for this independent rulemaking power of the constitutional commissions that can never be under the power of subordinate legislation? Alright, so let's continue. There was a short power interruption, uh, internet connection interruption, I should say. The question is, what is the reason for this independent rulemaking power of the constitutional commissions that can never be under the power of subordinate legislation? The answer is, because the rulemaking power as a constitutional grant is an aspect of its independence as a constitutional commission. It places the grant of this power outside the reach of Congress, which cannot withdraw the power at any time. In the case of Gallardo versus Tabamo, the Supreme Court upheld the validity of a resolution issued by the Comelec even though there was no corresponding legislation by Congress. 
So what the Constitution envisions is a truly independent commission on elections committed to ensure free, orderly, honest, peaceful, and credible elections and to serve as the guardian of the people's sacred right of suffrage. The citizenry's vital weapon in effecting a peaceful change of government and in achieving and promoting political stability. But note here, there are also laws that grant the Constitutional Commission's additional mandates. When these laws are used, any rule issued by the commissions are considered within the power of subordinate legislation. Take the case of Trade and Investment Development Corporation of the Philippines versus Civil Service Commission, an end bank decision decided on March 5, 2013. And the main issue resolved by the SC here was this. Does the Civil Service Commission's constitutional authority over the civil service divest the legislature of the power to enact laws providing exemptions to civil service rules? And the Supreme Court said, while the grant of the civil service rulemaking power is untouchable by Congress, the laws that the CSC interprets and enforces fall within the prerogative of Congress. As an administrative agency, the CSC's quasi-legislative power is subject to the same limitations applicable to other administrative bodies. The rules that the CSC formulates must not override but must be in harmony with the law it seeks to apply and implement. Alright? In other words, still, the Civil Service Commission and, any, and the other commissions shall abide by the law when there is a law that expands or grants it additional or supplemental authority to implement or apply their mandates. Question, again, suppose a law is passed by Congress and uses the word may in the law. Can a constitutional commission use the word shall in a rule that implements that provision of the law? What's the answer? Of course, no. The laws that the commissions interpret and enforce fall within the prerogative of Congress. Again, we reiterate what we said before, that the administrative agency's quasi-legislative power is subject to the same limitations applicable to other bodies. In other words, it cannot overrule, it cannot override the provision of the law that it seeks to apply and implement. If it says, if the law says may, then the IRR of the Constitutional Commission should similarly provide for the same discretionary word may. Alright? That's for your delegation of rulemaking power. So let us go to the requisites for a valid delegation of rulemaking power. 
In the case of Abacada Guru Partilist case, the essay said there are two tests to determine the validity of delegation of legislative power. Number one, the completeness test. And number two, the sufficient standard test. When do we say, when do we apply the completeness test? A law is complete when it sets forth therein the policy to be executed, carried out or implemented by the delegate. It lays down a sufficient standard when it provides adequate guidelines or limitations in the law to map out the boundaries of the delegate's authority and prevent the delegation from running riot, according to the Supreme Court. When is it sufficient? To be sufficient, the standard must specify the limits of the delegate's authority, announce the legislative policy, and identify the conditions under which it is to be implemented. Okay? So that's for your tests necessary to have a valid delegation of legislative, uh, of the rulemaking power of Congress. Now, we will come later on to the topic on the powers of Congress, inherent powers, express powers. We all understand that, of course, for the inherent powers, you have the police power, the power of eminent domain, and the power of taxation. I'm assigning to you several cases that will explain further and review you on the matter of police power, taxation, and eminent domain. And also, with regards to the implied powers of Congress, especially the power of contempt. We have cases to explain those concepts, those powers of Congress. For now, we're going to end our discussion and we will continue in the next episode of our discussion on legislative powers. Stay safe and healthy and good night everyone.